our scripture passages this evening are 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, just verse 17. That can be found on page 1,228 in your pew Bibles. And our second verse, really, second text, will be Philippians 2, verse 13. We're going only to look at these two verses, but the Belgic Confession provides other verses as we read through it. We are seeing here the doctrine of sanctification. So first, 2 Corinthians 5.17 and 2 Philippians 2, verse 13. Also, we will be looking at Belgic Confession, Article 24. This can be found in your Forms and Prayers book on page 178. Before we read God's Word, let's ask for His blessing on the reading and preaching of His Word. Dear Father in Heaven, we pray that we would, by meditating on Your Word, draw nearer to You, that we would see Your great love and grace, specifically as we contemplate the the doctrine of sanctification. We pray that we would be encouraged by it, that it would be a healing balm to us to know that You are making Your people holy. We pray that we would understand it correctly, that we would see within that doctrine how you are truly great to perform this act in us. We pray that we would walk away from here with a knowledge of our sin, but the encouragement to know that sin is dealt with in the gospel and our Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I'll read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Before we turn to the other verse, just a couple comments here on this text. This is a promise to us, this is or not a promise, this is a reality presented to God's people, one that we would all do well to know, one that we would all do well to trust in, to see that we who are in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, that there is a new creation, that he is a new creation. You are no longer identified with the old nature. You are no longer identified with the man of sin, but a new creation. Now, if you would turn to Philippians 2, verse 13. It says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, we'll turn to a summary of what God's Word teaches in Article 24 of the Belgic Confession, the Sanctification of Sinners says the following, We believe that this true faith, produced in man by the hearing of God's word and by the work of the Holy Spirit, regenerates him and makes him a new man, causing him to live the new life and freeing him from the slavery of sin. Therefore, therefore, far from making people cold toward living in a pious and holy way, this justifying faith, quite to the contrary, so works within them that apart from it they will never do a thing out of love for God, but only out of love for themselves and of fear being condemned. So then it is impossible for this holy faith to be unfruitful in a a human being, 
seeing that we do not speak of an empty faith, but of what Scripture calls faith working through love, which leads a man to do of himself the works that God has commanded in his word. These works, proceeding from the good root of faith, are good and acceptable to God, since they are all sanctified by his grace. Yet, they do not count toward our justification. For by faith in Christ we are justified, even before we do good works. Otherwise, they could not be good, any more than the fruit of a tree could be good if the tree is not good in the first place. So then we do good works, but not for merit. For what would we merit? Rather, we are indebted to God for the good works we do, and not he to us, since it is he who works in us both to will and do according to his good pleasure. Thus, keeping in mind what is written, when you have done all that is commanded you, then you shall say, we are unworthy servants. We have done what it was our duty to do. Yet we do not wish to deny that God rewards good works, but it is by his grace that he crowns his gifts. Moreover, although we do good works, we do not base our salvation on them, for we cannot do any work that is not defiled by our flesh and also worthy of punishment. And even if we could point to one, memory of a single sin is enough for God to reject that work. So we would always be in doubt, tossed back and forth without any certainty, and our poor consciences would be tormented constantly if they did not rest on the merit of the suffering and death of our Savior. As we read through that article, you'll notice how encouraging it is you'll notice how much assurance and faith we can have. And I'll just point to that end phrase. And our poor consciences would be tormented constantly if they did not rest on the merit of the suffering and death of our Savior. What a blessing. What a blessing to know this truth. What a, what a blessing to possess it. To be made better. The title for this sermon is Our Betterment, which is somewhat of a strange word, but I chose it. It's a synonym here for sanctification, but that we would understand and be encouraged at what sanctification really brings about, and it is our betterment. Us being made into something great and glorious, not of our own strength, not of our own doing, but something that God is doing in us, through us, making us even cooperate with that work, and yet it is he who receives all the glory. That even we would do good. I would wager a guess that many of us here need to listen to this doctrine. It's easy for us to see our sin, to see our failures, to be brought low, to be brought very low, and to think very poorly of ourselves. And that's not a bad thing. Think poorly of yourself in one way. It's not a bad thing to know. In fact, it's a right response to know how poor we are as sinners. But what we often do is we focus on that, that sin in our, in our lives and hearts and, and having a reality and, and a knowledge of how poor we are just leaves us in the dumps to think, well, there we are. There's my failures. There's that continued sin and temptation. And I continue to fall down right there. I am nothing. And that is a good response 
If it turns then to, but look at my Savior. Look at what he's doing. Look at what we read from 2 Corinthians. You are, if you are in Christ, a new being, a new creation, a new man. God himself doesn't view you the way you do when you are in Christ. That's why this is such an encouraging doctrine and one that we need. We looked last time, we took a break from the Belgic the last few weeks, but we looked at the last article on justification, and we saw how, how important justification is. It really is sort of that hinge upon which true religion turns. It really does present to us a gospel and the correct understanding, and you need to have that right. But that doesn't mean we don't see the importance of sanctification and how it, it's coupled with that, the proper understanding of justification and sanctification, and how we need both. And how these aren't just ideals in our minds that we think of these things, that theologians think of these things. This is it. This is, this is our life. This is what we hold to. You know what I've noticed? Sometimes it's, it's common for people to really come down on, on theology, come down on doctrine, even on a service in which we would go through these doctrines. What I've realized is when you're going through difficulty and trouble, we turn to doctrine. We turn to what is true of God, what is true of us. Our world faces an epidemic of those who seek their value and their worth in not only just themselves, but in other people's thoughts of them, in other people's representation and opinions of who they are. The self-esteem of most people falls. They see themselves, whether it's their appearance, their abilities and gifts, whatever it is, compare themselves to others. Think of the complaints and think of themselves in that way. And I only say that to, to illustrate how the message of the gospel, that we are not only justified in Christ, but a new creation, and that is our identity, is sorely needed, even in our own hearts in our own lives. This is what we need to hear, that God is making us better. It is our betterment. And we shouldn't shy away from the fact, because this is God's work, we should glorify Him for what we see at work in us and in others, that He sanctifies us. Well, what is sanctification? We're talking about this, we're throwing that term around. Well, sanctification is growing in holiness, growing in goodness, growing in good works. There's that aspect of sanctification. There's also the idea of being set apart. You're being distinct. You're sanctified. Vessels in the temple, tabernacle, they would have been sanctified, set apart for holy use, and so are we. We are those who are distinguished. We're set apart by God, and there's that aspect of sanctification, being made holy, set apart, and distinct. But also the idea of the growth, growing growing in our holiness, growing in good works. And that's what we see before us today. Sanctification is no less comforting a doctrine to us than justification. Sanctification is about a change in who we are. In short, sanctification is becoming more like Christ in our very souls, being made like him. How would we illustrate this? Well, theologians speak in this way. Justification is the removal of guilt. Sanctification is the removal of pollution. 
I want to, I want to illustrate that. I'm going to use an, an oil spill as an illustration, an idea of a bad pollution. You can think of, of potentially, and, and this might be a charged example, I don't mean it that way, I'm just talking about pollution. You can think of a, a pollution, a spill in the ocean from a drill where it was harvesting oil and there is this great pollutant that happens. So now what, how do we understand justification and sanctification to this? Well, justification would be the oil company in court and the judge would declare them not guilty. It's, it's the non-guilty verdict. It's just as if the oil spill never happened. You're not guilty of this pollution. I'm just trying to illustrate the legality of justification, what it's meaning. Justification is that courtroom language, us before the judge, before God himself. And he says, it's just as if you've never sinned and as if you've kept the law perfectly. And so for our illustration, this oil company would be declared legally as if they've done nothing wrong. But you still see there's a problem. The environment, the, the water is, has been polluted. There's pollution remaining. And the cleaning of that pollution is sanctification in that sense. We are declared righteous, though we are not righteous. Sanctification is removing that pollution. It is a long process, a gradual process, a process that will never reach its end on this earth. We will never be perfected and sinless. But it is that removal of the pollution itself that we do become more obedient, more righteous in and of ourselves. We already possess the righteousness of Christ in that legal way in what's credited to our account and our standing before God. And what sanctification is doing is making our literal beings match that reality. That we would indeed be righteous. And so justification is about God's attitude towards us changing. Sanctification is about God changing us. Justification is about Christ dying for our sins on the cross. Sanctification is about Christ at work within us through the Holy Spirit changing our life. And we see... In our first question, we asked this night, our first point, who's responsible for this? Who's responsible? I've already said it. We're not trying to, to hide who is responsible, but we do need to be careful. We need to be careful because not all branches of so-called Christianity understand this. Who is the one who carries this out in us? Well, it is God who carries this out. Now, in sanctification, unlike justification, we cooperate, meaning it isn't against or apart from our own will. God is reforming us in all of these ways, and we have a part to play in sanctification. But the credit and the glory is still the Lord's, for he is carrying it out. He's the one who gifts us these things and gives us good works. He's the one enabling us to carry it out and carrying it out even within us. Sanctification is thus a work of God, specifically a work of the Holy Spirit within us. He's the one responsible. Who's responsible? Well, it's God. And as the Belgic would say, it's God working through the Word and Spirit. That is how he works it. Think of our text from Philippians. It says, Obey and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So there you see something of the cooperation. Obey, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For, and here's then, here's the, the one responsible, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We see then this clear call for action from us. 
as well as the true source of our encouragement, because if it was just up to us, we'd be in big trouble. We wouldn't be sanctified. We wouldn't carry it out. You see, just as we are saved in justification by grace alone, well, it is even in sanctification, the the grace of God alone that enables this. Our justification was by grace alone, but but also sanctification was God's work of grace alone, removing that pollution of sin. And our sanctification still comes to us through Christ. It comes to us through the application of what he's done, the Spirit's presence within us. Now, as we think about this, we're going to get a little bit heady. We're going to get a little deeper here in talking about what's called the order of salvation. What's the order of salvation? It's a logical ordering of the decree of God, of salvation itself. And I say logical ordering because we don't believe there's this chronology to it that time goes by and then the next step happens. It is an ordering of, of what takes place in salvation itself. And here's the order. God effectually calls us, working out regeneration, which produces a confession of true faith in Christ that credits us his righteousness and justifies us before God, in which we become adopted sons of God, which results in our sanctification, perseverance, and glorification. So simplifying it, what's the order of salvation? What are those steps? Effectual calling regeneration, through faith, justification, adoption, sanctification, perseverance, glorification. That's the ordering. And if you're a bit lost, that's okay. Why do I say this? I say this if you are aware of some of the debates in theology, you'll see how the Belgic begins. The Belgic begins talking in such a way where it would say that the way of regeneration in the Belgic, it says we maintain that regeneration or I'm, I'm missing it. I'm reading as a quote what's not a quote. We maintain that regeneration precedes faith. That's what we would say. That's why I gave us that ordering of the doctrine of salvation. However, here the Belgic begins the article by saying it is faith that produces regeneration through the Spirit and Word. The way the Belgic is understanding that term and using the term regeneration is in a broader way than the specific term we would use today applying to our rebirth The fact that we are first born again, and then we have faith. Regeneration precedes faith. I know we're we're, we're more technical here, but that's if you are aware of these debates, this might be a bit confusing. Why would the Belgic speak in such a way of regeneration? Speaking here of the broader way, today referring to the whole process of salvation itself. In the Belgic, the word regeneration is used in that wider sense, referring to the entire change by grace affected in our persons. All right, so now we'll, we'll drop down a few levels here and go back to just the doctrine of sanctification itself. The Belgic is very clear that God produces all of this through the hearing of God's word. That's what the Spirit uses. He produces these things. He produces the growth, our sanctification, through the Spirit and its use of the Word, and particularly the Word preach. That is how we grow. That is how faith is produced in us, which means then very naturally to our questions, very similar to what we said this morning, how do we grow in our faith? How do we grow in our sanctification? Well, it is by hearing God's Word, 
It's by responding to it, believing it, being filled in that way. That is how we grow. That is the means the Spirit uses to facilitate that growth, that changing, becoming like God. God particularly uses that, and the Holy Spirit uses it in faith. Article 24 expresses this truth that the Word and Spirit cause us to live a new life and free us from the bondage of sin, such as the power of the Word and Spirit when they are joined. That's what the article says. The Word and Spirit are joined and used in that way. That's what it produces. Now, why would it say it this way? Because it's excluding any understanding that we stand before God on our own merit, on our own good works. We have to understand the context of what the Belgic is saying. And when it was written, it was written in such a time where the Roman Catholic Church had a different understanding and what we would call a faulty understanding of what justification and sanctification are. That they would base it and sort of confuse the two. And there was an element where we stand according to our sanctification before God. Our ability to do good works. The good works that we perform. Belgic is saying that this is, cannot be the case. Good works cannot be performed by us without true faith. We, can't be first, we have to be first made new and new birth and regenerated before we can even produce a work that could be even considered good. And even that work, as the Belgic will say, is tainted, not perfect. And so to summarize this point, we, I would say be encouraged. Be encouraged because God works sanctification, not you. In this we do rejoice. He works it in us. Have hope in that. Praise him for that, that this is what he's working. Secondly, why do we cooperate? This is getting at, what's our motivation for sanctification? We've dealt with this issue before. But if this is all true and God's the one working it, we're justified in him, God's working sanctification, why? Why pursue good works? Why do we obey? Why don't we sin? Well, first, we obey because it's our new nature. What we read from 2 Corinthians, it's our new nature. You could envision this. Think of a pet. Think of a pet that you have, your, your faithful dog. There are proverbs about these dogs and these animals. One of them is, the dog returned to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. So now let's think of our faithful dog, and perhaps you've even witnessed it, where it would, in this gross illustration, return to its own vomit. Now let's pretend that this animal could be made into a human, could be given a human nature, so that it was transformed from the old animal being who returned to its own vomit. This is what it did. And it was made a man. It was given this new nature. It was created anew. Going to that this now man and saying, why don't you return to your own vomit? Is just like someone coming to a Christian and saying, why wouldn't you sin? What am I getting at? Because there's been a transformation. What once was the thing that we would do, that we were powerless not to do, we do so no longer because it's not according to our true nature that has been remade. Thus, we would not turn to this sin. Now, we recognize we are still sinful and we make mistakes. But as God's word says, we are new. 
And we hate sin. And so those who would accuse this doctrine and say what you're teaching would remove any desire to obey God's law, would remove any desire to do what is good, they don't get it. They don't get it because those who have true faith have been transformed into such a person that is repulsed by the suggestion that you would return and sin because you love God. So first, we obey because it's our new nature. Second, we obey because we love God. Very similar, but distinct. We obey because we have a new nature, but second, we obey because we love God. This gets at what the Belgic says. The Belgic says, so then it is impossible for this holy faith to be unfruitful in a human being, seeing that we do not speak of an empty faith, but of what Scripture calls faith working through love, which leads a man to do of himself the works that God has commanded in his word. Because we love God, we do his works. We even do it, as the Belgic says, of himself. It isn't contrary to our nature, to our grain. God doesn't need to work against our grain to do this. We are newly made. We have been regenerated. We have true faith. And so we grow. We love him. That it is, that's what it is with our faith. Without faith, we wouldn't do good works out of love for God. But with faith, we do. And so, summarizing this point, be encouraged, we cooperate because God has made us new and we actually want it. And if you don't want it all the time, this is where we understand our weakness, but we need to turn and realize we aren't that old, sinful man. Something new. We're something better. We have nothing to boast in with that. We have every reason to rejoice and hold firm to that true identity of those in Christ new. And last, our last point this evening, sanctification. Are good works truly good? Are good works truly good? One commentator says this, The Reformers taught the necessity of good works, necessary not as the ground or co-instrument of justification, but as the fruit of true faith. Works before that were offered in self-love and fear and are now acceptable to God because of sanctification. We must never forget that the works we offer are not accepted because they are done by us, but because they are sanctified by the grace of God. The best works of the saints are blemished by sin and thus are filthy rags. So how do we understand that? Are our good works truly good? Well, in one way, it's, it's a both and. It's a, it's a sort of and a not. You see, our works aren't perfect. We don't produce a perfect work, and yet, by God's grace, through his sanctification, he considers them good. He rewards them as good works, but not something that he owes to us, that we have merited and won in the favor of our good works and upon which we can stand. No, God blesses what we've done. And in one sense, we always qualify everything we do is as, yes, filthy rags, and yet God's people still do good through his grace. God perfects our work. And we can be called to do good. Now, we have to understand that not everyone believes this. To some, it would be that we stand upon our sanctification, that we can lose our faith. That yes, we're, we're saved by faith. God accepts that. 
But then it's up to you to continue to obey. And if you don't obey enough, you're gone, you're out, you've lost it. I actually want to read a little portion from the Council of Trent, from the Roman Catholic Council of Trent. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit so that we can better understand it. But it basically makes this this proclamation. If anyone says that our right standing before God is not kept secure and increased by God by good works, but that good works are merely the fruits and signs of our justification, not a cause of the increase, let him be damned. It's a full statement. Let's, let's unpack it. If anyone's, this, this is what we believe. They're condemning what we believe here. If anyone says that our right standing, that's justification. If anyone is saying that our, your, our right standing before God is not kept secure and increased before God by good works. So see what they're saying. They're saying, if you say your right standing before God isn't kept secure and isn't increased before God by good works, and if you would say that good works are merely the fruits and signs of justification, and that is what we would say, we would say the, the good works we do are, are fruits of our true faith, they say, let him be damned. You see, that's why I, I draw this to our attention. This isn't what everyone believes, and the, and the, the distinguishing fe- feature of this is important. If you confuse justification and sanctification and base one upon the other as if, as if our justification rests in our good works, lose it. And it becomes, in this way, salvation by works. The key to the Reformed understanding of good works is in that we understand we are indebted to God for what we do and not He to us. So how do we conclude today? I want to conclude with that encouraging word. Sanctification is beautiful. It's a beautiful doctrine, and we need to stop and consider it. We need to get out of our our typical understanding. We know what this is. We've heard this before, and cling to it. One final illustration of this. I'm going to use another example of gaming, a gaming illustration. I want to give the false impression. I used a gaming illustration several weeks ago. I'm not trying to give the impression that I'm this big gamer. I'm not really, but I liked the way this illustration worked. A lot of games, you are a character, and in those games, depending on what you do, you level up. You level up, and with each leveling up, you, your, your character's stats get stronger, your defenses get better, you're able to do certain things. In some games, you even your character will transform and, and, and be something else. Now, to a certain extent, it's a dangerous illustration, because there's many ways to get really lost among these weeds. But really what I want us to see is that sanctification is, in one sense, us leveling up. I want us to see that God really is changing your life. That he who began a good work in you carries it to completion. And just as in those games there there can be even a transformation, there has already been a transformation in our life to a new creation, and there will be that final transformation when we are truly righteous. And you're on that path already if you are in Christ. We fall, we backslide, but God continues to work. Let's be encouraged. How can we not be encouraged 
by the truth that in Christ you are being made more righteous, more like God himself. Perhaps you've experienced it where you may have fallen to specific temptations and sins in the past, and perhaps now you rarely fall to that. God be praised for that. We've experienced that in our own life, growth. Well, give God glory for that growth and be encouraged in the current trials and temptations you face that God works in you. We could even be surprised at times when we are placed in a situation where we think we would have responded in a rather sinful way, and by God's grace, that isn't how we responded. And, and that's not so that we can pat our backs, but, wow, that was really good. Really good, Nathan. You're a really great guy that you did that. It's rather to give God glory to see that this is a mark of his work in us, that I did not respond in the way that I would have. And this should give us future hope. Sometimes you face various trials and temptations, and you're afraid of it returning. You're afraid and you think, last time that I faced this, I, I was a wreck and a mess, and I couldn't get through it. Well, you are not the same person you were last time. God works in you, and as you rely fully and totally upon him, you do grow. We do experience it where those things that used to be that struggle come back and we realize that we are able to stand firm. Another question we can ask ourselves, are you closer to God now than what you were several years ago? It's a healthy question to ask, a difficult one. It can be clouded. Sometimes we might think, I'm not. We might fall and say, no, I'm not, I don't feel as close to God. And so we have to use a, a bit of wisdom here that we don't think, oh, I'm, I'm not getting any better. But we should ask the question. Sometimes that does clarify our, our thoughts. Am I closer now to God than what I was a, a, a far time ago, several years ago? Often we realize in our own hearts that we are. We are closer to God now than what we were. That, again, a sign and assurance that the Holy Spirit works within you, that you are being sanctified. Be encouraged, because in God we experience this growth. Be encouraged because God works our growth in godliness. Be encouraged because God makes us new creatures desiring to be and do good. Be encouraged because God graciously rewards our works and blesses them all in and through Christ what he's done. As we leave here today, as we embark on another week, let's be reminded that we are in all senses sanctified. We are those set apart, those who are called to live a distinct and good life. We are also those who, by God's grace, are equipped, equipped to grow, to draw near to him. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are reminded through your word, through what we have been meditating on this evening, that you do indeed create within us a new nature upon our regeneration and in our faith. We pray that we would be encouraged, that we would trust not in our strength nor in our ability to do good. We recognize all of that we do is still, still tainted with sin. But Lord, we rejoice we rejoice for the miraculous works you do in us. We rejoice for the growth we see in ourselves, 
and in our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is not so that we may boast and say, look how great we are, it's so that we can say, rather, look how great our God is, and to be encouraged to continue on this path, knowing that one day we will not just simply be sanctified, we will be fully transformed and perfected. We pray this in our dear Savior's name. Amen.